You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcast. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. On today's show, I'm going to play the remainder of my conversation with Tim Kelly, the host of Locked On Phillies. We talk mostly Phillies on this show, previewing what they have for the upcoming season, and then we also give our predictions and breakdowns of the NL East as a whole. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter, at Ryan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Now, without further ado, here is the first part of my conversation with Tim. All right, so Tim, when I look at these two teams, the Mets and the Phillies, I see a lot of comparisons. I think there's a lot of top-end talent with both rosters, but there's also some questions about depth behind some of these places. So when I look at the Phillies, one of my biggest question marks is center field and the outfield in general. You have Bryce Harper, who could arguably be the best outfielder in this division, but what else is around him to play next to him out there well one of the i don't want to say benefits but one of the things about the season starting later is that there's a very real possibility andrew mccutcheon who initially the thought was he was going to miss opening day does not miss opening day and in left field andrew mccutcheon last season was excellent may have drawn all-star consideration before tearing his acl so if you get a healthy version of him back you're in very good shape I also think you have Jay Bruce as kind of this fourth outfielder pinch hitter. He's going to be good in that role if he's able to stay in that role. I don't believe he's someone physically that you want to have playing three or four days a week. But if you can have him as a pinch hitter, a guy that DHs in American League games, you're in very good shape with Jay Bruce. Center field is no doubt going to be a question. I think right now Roman Quinn is probably the favorite to be the opening day center fielder. We don't still really know exactly what he is as a hitter at the major league level, but he's one of the fastest people in the sport when he's healthy, and he can play all three outfield positions at a pretty strong level. The question with him has always been health. Adam Hazley, I would imagine, will get a bulk of the starts in center field before the All-Star break, just knowing Roman Quinn's injury history. He's someone that at pretty much every level of the minor league has hit for average. I'm not sure that he has enough power to consistently be a starter at the major league level. Now, last season, when he came up in limited time, he was excellent in center field. I know there's still concerns about what he's going to be able to do in center field and if he's not better geared to be a corner outfielder. And like I just said, there's not room for him to be a corner outfielder on the Phillies. Bryce Harper's entrenched in right. He's not going anywhere for forever, basically. And in left field, you have Andrew McCutcheon, who really at this stage of his career, you don't want to have pushed into center field. So how center field plays out is going to be giant for the Phillies in 2020. And before I leave the outfield, I do want to talk about Bryce Harper's defense last year. I think there was a point in time when he was with the Nationals that 
people were starting to think that playing right field or playing in the outfield might not be the long-term home for Harper. He might, at the back end of whatever contract he signed, have to play first base. Then last year, he was a finalist for the Gold Glove, if I'm not mistaken. So what was the change there, and was it surprising to watch firsthand? I don't think it was surprising to watch in the sense of outfield assists. We always knew Bryce Harper had a cannon. I do think looking back to his final season in Washington, there's a few things you can point to. First of all, he was playing some center field, which he just is not a center fielder. But beyond that, in the final season of his of his uh, arbitration eligibility he was waiting for a mega deal that we had heard about for four or five seasons i do think there was some hesitancy from him to make sure he didn't get injured and now that he has that deal he doesn't have to have those same level of concerns but you're right it wasn't even the back end of the deal people were talking about when he signed with the phillies there's a thought when the dh inevitably comes to the national league that's probably where bryce harper's headed and now i look around at the phillies and i don't think he's one of the top few people i would even think about now that doesn't mean in year 10 of the deal he's still going to be fielding well but he went from being a terrible fielder in his final season in dc to someone last year that cody bellinger rightfully won the gold glove but bryce harper was not just nominated because he's bryce harper he deserved to be there and in a lot of positions would have won the gold glove he had a ton of outfield assists i think he had 13 defensive runs saved he was a plus in the field last year and i think that's something if you don't watch him on a day-to-day basis that you may have missed but he was excellent yeah he definitely was and so with the outfield kind of covered there i look at the phillies infield and i say again you talk about top end talent with reese hoskins i think Didi gregorius is you know set for a real bounce back year you have gene segura scott kingery but what's behind them i just don't know what depth the phillies have maybe it's a prospect that i don't know about but i see guys like neil walker and i think if one of those infielders gets hurt, where do the Phillies go? Well, at least to start the season, you may be right. They have a bunch of veterans in camp with a lot of experience, Neil Walker, Josh Harrison, Logan Forsythe. So if one of those guys can emerge as a legitimate bench piece, the Phillies are going to be in pretty good shape. Phil Gosselin is also someone that was here last year that's in camp as well. So we're going to have to see how that ultimately plays out and how this time off in between spring training and part two of spring training whatever the case may be alec bohm is the phillies top position prospect i've watched him in spring training and some at the minor league level his bat is ready to play at the major league level he's a natural third baseman uh, there's not a lot of certainty about what he's going to be defensively and, and if he can stick at that position. So uh, that's going to be something that plays out in the first half of the season because he's going to play at the major league level at some point in 2020. It's possible it's at third base. In that case, I don't really know exactly what happens to Gene Segura. It's possible if Reese Hoskins struggles the way he did in the second half of last season that it's at first base. But uh, if you get into a situation where you have a top prospect that's ready to hit at the major league level and you're not exactly sure where to put him, that probably means that the four guys in the infield are holding it down. So I would suppose there's worse issues to have. All right, when we get back in just a minute, going to play the remainder of my conversation with Tim Kelly. We get into JT Real Muto, the Phillies starting pitching, and talk about the NL East as a whole. 
But first, do you hate stepping on a scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rating Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale of 2020. If you're looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for their durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and even a local weather report. The scale can support up to 8 users and even knows who's who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 25% off your Body Plus body composition scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 20% off your body plus body composition scale. You know, I just recently did a series where I was kind of ranking the top starting rotations, top bullpens in the NL East, top outfields, infield. The one place where I had the Phillies in first in this division, and by a wide margin, is catcher. We already talked about JT Real Muto. What do people kind of miss if you're not watching him every day? How does he command that pitching staff? What does he bring as maybe the best catcher in baseball? I would say you miss just how good he is at throwing runners out. It, it was unreal last year. And Jorge Alfaro, who got traded to Miami in the JT Real Muto trade, had a, as good of an arm from a catcher that I've seen. But the difference with Real Muto, who by at least defensive metrics was not a great fielder in Miami and just blew up last year. Fangraphs rated him as the number one overall fielder in the sport at any position last year is how quickly of a release he has to second base. That was kind of the recipe last year for him throwing people out. We'll see if runners continue to attempt to steal on him, but there's no reason for me to think he won't have the same or similar level of success defensively as he did last year. He's someone that has just emerged as the most complete catcher. And I, I would say offensively, he was relatively underwhelming in the first half. After the All-Star break offensively, he was excellent. I think he might actually have a better offensive season than he did a year ago. It, it would be hard to be better defensively, but offensively he could continue to take a slight step forward, I think. Yeah, I think he can have a great year. Going to the pitching I love Zach Wheeler. I'll tell you, a lot of Mets fans know that I was really upset to see him go. I think throughout the entire season last year, I was kind of pitching this idea of maybe flipping a Noah Syndergaard and locking down Wheeler long term. Now, worst case scenario for Mets fans, he ends up in the same division pitching for the Phillies. I think he's going to have a great season. And you have Aaron Nola, who we've seen can be 
I mean, last year was a little bit of a down year after being a Cy Young finalist, but I think he can be an excellent starting pitcher as well. The question is after that. So what else do the Phillies have? Is Jake Arrieta going to be healthy and in their rotation? What do things look like for Philadelphia there? Yeah, Jake Arrieta actually suffered a bit of a scare in a spring training start the other day with some shoulder stiffness. He appears to be fine. The question with Jake Arrieta, though, beyond is he going to be effective when he's healthy, I've seen nothing in the two years that he's been here to suggest that he's going to stay healthy. Two years ago, he had a meniscus injury that he pitched through. Last year, he had a bone spur in his elbow. Like it, He just doesn't seem like someone to me at this stage of his career that's going to be able to pitch through that type of uh, the rigors of a full season. Now, if the season ends up being a little bit shorter, which doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility, perhaps he's someone that benefits from that. But there are legitimate concerns about him being the number three starter. And then you go down the rest of the rotation. Zach Eflin's probably going to be your number four starter. And then at number five, it's going to be one of Vince Velasquez, Nick Pavetta, or Ranger Suarez. There are questions at the back end of that rotation. Now, Spencer Howard, who's the Phillies' top overall prospect at any position, uh, he's someone that they expect to debut at some point in 2020. I would temper expectations. I think in 2021, 2022, he's someone the rest of the NL East really needs to be concerned about. In 2020, I think he comes up and makes an impact, but you have to be realistic in what you expect a guy that's probably going to have an innings limit to be able to do in 2020. So uh, that is really where the rest of the division, at least the, the contenders, stand out. The Nationals obviously have a great rotation. The Mets, even after losing Wheeler, still look to have a deep rotation. And I think the Braves are probably going to have a better rotation than most people think. So uh, to have worries about the Phillies is legitimate. I think Aaron Nola pitches somewhere in between what he was the last two seasons. And Zach Wheeler is someone that I don't think there's any question about he can reach that next level. Whether the Phillies are the team to help him reach that or not remains to be seen, as is the last two years. You know, Zach Wheeler was a, a very good middle of the rotation, number three type guy. You'll take that if you're the Phillies, but to win the division, they probably need more out of him. Yeah, and I think if you look at Wheeler's you know, last two years, the second half he has pitched like an ace. So he's gotten off to some slow starts. I think if the Phillies can be a little bit better defensively behind him, that'll be you know big help to him. I think the Mets kind of hurt him in those ways. Let's kind of transition into the division as a whole. We've both mentioned the Braves at certain points. I think the Braves stand out in this division as the most complete team. Do you agree that they're kind of the favorites? And who do you think will contend with them for the division, if anyone. I agree that the Braves are the favorite, and if any team other than the Dodgers comes out of the National League, I think it's going to be the Braves. Uh, obviously, they've had some minor injuries with Cole Hamels in spring training, so we'll see how that plays out. They did lose Josh Donaldson, but they still have Ronald Acuna, they still have Freddie Freeman, they still have Ozzy Albies, and they added Marcelo Zuna, and they could add in a, a few top outfielding prospects throughout the course of the season or move them for another star. So the Braves, to me, are the favorite. I think the Mets are the team most equipped to challenge them. They won 86 games a season ago, and the season at times felt like a disaster. So if the bullpen is better than it was a season ago, uh, and you get some sort of bounce back from Robinson Cano or Noah Syndergaard takes a step forward, I look at the Mets as a team right now that should win 91-92 games, 
and I don't think they're going to win the division, but I do believe right now that they're a team that should win one of the two wild card spots. Now, something always does seem to go wrong with the Mets, so we'll see. Uh, and then I look at the Phillies. I think the Phillies are the third best team in the division, and that would make the Nationals the fourth best. And this isn't a, a diss of the Nationals. Uh, a year ago, even after losing Harper, I picked them to be in the World Series, which, of course, they were. And I think, though, Steven Strasburg pitched almost 100 more innings last season than he did the year before. Max Scherzer showed some signs of physical wearing down. They lost Anthony Rendon, who was their best overall player in free agency. To me, to think the Nationals are going to take a step back isn't unrealistic. Now, a step back to me means 84, 85 wins in that range, but that's probably going to be fourth place in this division. Yeah, I think I uh, see things in a pretty similar way. When I look at the Nationals, I would say, on paper, maybe they are the second-best team in the division. Of course, you can't disrespect the defending champs. So I can, on paper, say that. But as you pointed out, I really worry about a World Series hangover for that Nationals team throwing that many innings, and you lose an MVP-type player in Rendon after already losing Harper the year before. I think Juan Soto is a great talent, but is he ready to step in and be the leader of a team and really take them to the next level? I'm not sure. So I think on paper, maybe they stack higher up, but I agree that the bottom might drop out on them and make them the fourth best team in this division. And then when I look at the Mets and the Phillies, I think both of them really have just that capability for everything to click and to take off. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is Joe Girardi's impact, and I really do believe that he's going to get the most out of whatever team he manages, and that might make the Phillies maybe perform a little bit better than some of the deficiencies on their roster might suggest. So I think that we're kind of on the same page with the way this division looks. Yeah, and Ryan, I I know New York Sports Radio will be very fun if the Phillies with Joe Girardi end up being better than the Mets who seemingly weren't especially interested in Joe Girardi even though he was interested in them so it's going to be a fun season we look forward to it and uh, I'm sure we'll communicate throughout the course of the season Uh, best of luck I'm sure it'll be a fun season absolutely same to you all right that'll be all for today's edition of locked on Mets please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts also don't forget get in your car tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets.